On podcast 1944, Tesla sells superchargers to BP. Hyundai's insane Ionic 5N gets pricing. And the Blazer EV is Motor Trend's SUV of the year. Plus, stay tuned to find out which EV maker just called the current price reductions brutal. You might be surprised. But first, BP's EV charging division, BP Pulse, has purchased a $100 million deal of supercharger V4s from Tesla. It marks a first. Tesla's charging hardware will be integrated into an independent EV charging network. Not the first time they've sold superchargers. They sell them to fleets, to companies that want their own superchargers to charge their vehicles. But this will be a public-facing BP Pulse-branded V4 supercharger made by Tesla, operated by BP on their forecourts and the brands that they own. Prime installation sites like Houston, Phoenix, LA, Chicago and Washington DC will be first in 2024. 250 kilowatt DC fast charging at the moment, but we know they will get faster because the Tesla supercharger V4s, the cables, the units rated, as we've seen on the the, the, the nameplates, really, are 1,000 volts, 1,000 amps. That's megawatt charging. Can they do that? Can they keep the cables cool? Have they got the hardware, the cabinets, they're using V3s at the minute, behind them to do that? Well, you'd say yes, but we haven't seen the full rollout yet. However, this is huge news. BP managing it, branding it, setting them up. It's going to be a big leap of faith for Tesla because if BP screw this up, it could harm the Tesla brand, which I think you'll agree is pretty good for charging. They're powerful chargers. They'll come with Tesla's magic docks. So this is a North American announcement, by the way. It means that both NACs and CCS1 will work. Tesla will also add plug and charge the protocol to their V4 superchargers to streamline the payment process. You rock on up at a BP filling station, plug in your plug and charge vehicle and walk away to go get some snacks in the shop. Come back 15 minutes later, quick comfort break and you're off and away, billing all sorted. Chargers that align with Tesla's standards will be featured in Tesla's UI and apps. This is crucial. So you get inside your Tesla vehicle in the future, from what I understand of the announcement document, the the press release here, is that they will add these BP V4 superchargers to the Tesla nav. It'll appear natively. Maybe there'll be a different color or they'll say third party or something. But the crucial thing here is if they don't meet Tesla's standards, they'll be removed from the app. And so, yeah, they'll still work. You can turn up to a BP station. You can still charge your vehicle, but they won't get that full Tesla integration. Five million Teslas on the roads around the world. You want that integration. It's incentivizing BP Pulse to get this right. And through initiatives like the Nevi funding, BP securing grants to build charging infrastructure in places like California, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and Kentucky. So I think if Tesla bump up against their limit, of the Nevi funding for an individual company, they can then sell their hardware to others who can then apply for more of that funding. So, it, look, this is a huge announcement and it's going to rumble on and I'll pick some more details from the bones of this and bring that to you as I think of it over coming days. Next, Volvo's EX30 production is going to be happening in Europe, Ghent, actually, from 2025. The all-electric model made at the site alongside the XC40 and the C40. The EX30, though, is on the dedicated SEA platform using similarities that same platform as the Smart Number 1 or the Smart 1 and the Zika X. European enthusiasts can get the EX30 only once it's made in its Belgian production base, even though manufacturing 
is starting in China right now with delivery slated before the end of the year in China. Can't get those European vehicles, though, until Belgian production starts. The decision to produce the EX30 in both Ghent and China, part of Volvo's aim to boost their production capacity in anticipation of rising demand. EX30 looks like a stunning vehicle. I know a lot of my US friends excited about getting that as well. All right, let's move on. Stellantis is buying a $1.6 billion stake in a Chinese EV company called Leap Motor. To make a joint venture called Leap Motor International, that company will secure exclusive rights for Stellantis to export, to sell, and to manufacture the Chinese Leap Motor products anywhere outside of China. Shipments of EVs via the joint venture will start in the latter half of 2024, and it hopes, well, it will enhance Leap Motors' standing, won't it, because of that huge investment. Uh, last year, they sold about 110,000 EVs in China. It puts them just behind Xpeng in terms of sales. Stellantis, on their part, facing challenges like others in cementing a foothold in, hold in China. We saw the VW announcement recently in July of a $700 million investment in Xpeng for a joint EV development. Current investments are unfolding against a backdrop of a regulatory environment and a price war amongst EV manufacturers. During the first half of this year, if you look at the beneficiaries of who China doled out government grants to, five of the top ten make batteries or EVs, according to Nikkei Asia. Big state subsidies in global markets are seeing a surge in lower-priced Chinese vehicles. In China alone, 40 EV brands are engaged in a fierce pricing battle right now, but The European regulators don't like it at all how much of the Chinese money is being subsidised and could slap tariffs on those vehicles. Uh, Paul Gong from UBS saying that given the current trends, Chinese car makers might secure a third of global EV production by the end of this decade alone. Significant growth coming from the European market. Now we've got some pricing coming out. I can get to bring you some breaking news on the bonkers Hyundai Arnic 5N. This is the 641 brake horsepower electric hatchback, which is the beginning of their performance division's EV journey. Now, only one specification level is available to order, and this version of the Arnic 5N is all about race car DNA, they say. A bit of an exterior redesign. And I really like it. They made the track width a little bit wider. Some of the bodywork changes as well. It starts at £65,000 here in the UK. Uh, the end division really getting their hands and modifying on the, 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 the Arctic 5. So this isn't just, I guess, like, let me compare it to the Kia EV6 GT. 577 horsepower in that. These vehicles share the same platform, but I think if you didn't know what you were looking at, then the EV6 GT looks pretty similar to the regular car. This Arnic 5 does stylistically look like it's had some work done to it. Based, of course, on the EGMP framework, it's got a bigger battery, 84 kilowatt hours, a different all-wheel drive system, multiple tech enhancements, and, like I say, 600 horsepower in regular uh, settings, but you can dial up to 641 uh, for some uh, just bonkers performance, not to 62 miles an hour, 100 kph in 3.4 seconds. But they say they've been doing so much work on this handling and how this car behaves as a sports car. It's not a one-trick pony straight line. Don't try and put the thing around corners. So can't wait to see that uh, hit the roads. Honda and GM talking yesterday about their joint venture, which is... No more. This was announced a year ago, and this was a joint venture to make cost-effective EVs. It reflects GM's decision to 
Just tap the brakes and press pause on multiple EV models that I've talked about all week long. Honda, on their part, say they're committed to going EV by 2040. 2040? My goodness, 20 years away. Last April, both companies talked about how they were going to form a joint venture to make affordable EVs a shared platform, millions of units on the road by 2027, or beginning in 2027, let me clarify. The initial collaboration was all about being affordable and compact crossovers using GM's Ulti and battery tech. But that's not going so well. GM and LG Chem are facing challenges in mass-producing the LTM cells. In July, GM stopped production at Bright Drop in Canada because of a cell shortage. An automation equipment supplier uh, cause behind the LTM production snags, according to GM. During the first three quarters of this year, 6,920 uh, EVs from GM had the Ultium technology inside. Obviously, there's the Chevy Bolt, which sold a lot, but the Blazer, the Silverado, the Hummer, the Lyric, and the Bright Drop reached customers. That number is up for debate a little bit, by the way. But that's the that's 7,000 vehicles with Ultium cells in. They're really, really struggling to scale that. And I think they'll get there because they've got good people and enough investment behind it. But now wasn't the time to then be giving a load of them or selling a load of them to Honda as part of a joint venture. Honda, also part of that Japanese EV confusion along with the likes of Nissan and Toyota, which seem in a weird place with electric vehicles. But uh, interesting uh, interesting development. Not entirely surprising, but you know, always a shame. Now, let's, I mentioned Blazer. Let's talk about the Blazer EV. This is great news for that team because they've just found out that it's been awarded Motor Trends SUV of the Year crown. The Chevy Blazer EV has been praised for its de- design and functionality. They put it up against 40 new or updated models. Uh, they've got a six award criteria test, safety, design, engineering, and others as well. Uh, they really praise the Blazer's uh, technology, like the, the seat sensors, so that when you get in the vehicle, you haven't got to press any start buttons. It's the way an EV should be, the way some other EVs are. You get in and you drive away. Why would there be an engine on-off button? Uh, the interior, says, is ample space. Extended wheelbase really results in a spacious back seat and comfortable seating, big cargo area. Great tech, 11-inch digital gauge, 17.7-inch infotainment. Uh, motor trend used for this comparison, the dual motor, RS version. So that one's the 279 miler uh, on the EPA range. Uh, 190 kilowatt DC fast charging, they say, and great three battery sizes. Also, if you want front, rear, or all wheel drive, that's on the options list as well. So a vehicle that is barely in driver's hands. I think I told you earlier this week I had about 19 deliveries so far. Well, that could even just be you know, staff or whatever. So that might not be real customers, but uh, enough for Motor Trend, the legendary uh, publication there saying, you know what, that's our SUV of the year. Interesting, isn't it? Right, coming up, we'll talk about which car maker has said the current price reduction environment is brutal for car makers and also why the UK just passed new laws to make EV charging better. Stick around. If you want your podcast ad-free, by the way, you can be a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash evnewsdaily. Get your own RSS feed, copy-paste into your podcast app, 
And boom, the ads disappear. Nice little perk for our Patreon supporters that get this show on the air every day. Now, General Motors is offering $1,400 to owners of the Bolt and the EUV affected by the recall. Uh, that is the software that they had to add to those vehicles for safety, which limit the charge to 80% capacity. The payment of $1,400 is an advance on the class action settlement that if that comes, if it's more than $1,400, those people can still get the, the increased amount, but otherwise they can get a guaranteed 1400 now. Uh, they get a Visa e-reward card from GM. They must install the software by the end of the year. They must sign a legal agreement, uh, and if they opt out, they'll have to await for the results of the class action suit, which are unknown, of course. The diagnostic software is all about capping the charge at 80% and then letting you drive the bolt. It works out whether the battery is one that is affected, and if so, you get that replaced, you get an extended warranty, possibly battery replacement, as I mentioned, but you must install that diagnostic software and do, I think it's the 10,000 miles or 6,000 miles of driving by 2025 or something. So most people would do that. And what's important to note is that the results might be, hey, no, your battery's fine. You're allowed to go back up to 100%. Now, that is an inconvenience, and GM know that, and that's why they're giving owners the $1,400. Next, new UK laws passed yesterday, which will simplify and improve public EV charging, legislation demanding that transparent and comparable pricing must be shown across charge points, and you must have contactless payment. We knew that was coming. It's now enshrined in law. Charging providers must share their data, enabling drivers to locate charge points, know the charging speed that the charger can offer, and know if it's currently working. It'll ensure that there's a 24-7 helpline for each of the charging networks that's free to call, and operators are compelled to provide access to charge point data to simplify the process. The UK government also declaring plans to mandate local transport authorities have their own strategies and must be one in place for zero emission transport and charging infrastructure at a local level. That's great news. Now, Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV. It's the SUV version of the super nice S-Class equivalent, gets a bigger battery. This year, by the end of 2023, the SUV version of the EQS gets an additional 10 kilowatt hours of usable energy capacity. It's now 118 kilowatts hours and a new chemical process as well inside. So the makeup of the battery is chemically different, which reduces the operating temperatures increases efficiency, and you get more storage as well. So you now get 447 miles of range on WLTP. But that's still, I mean, look, uh, it's a big vehicle. I know it's a 100 grand vehicle. I know it's not a vehicle that most people will be buying, but still so, so impressive. The improvements that some of these car companies are just making, iterating, getting better all the time. And like 450 miles is just huge. But yeah, I know it's a big vehicle, and I know it's expensive. Next year, the EQE and the EQS sedan versions, saloons gets the bigger capacities, and the smaller ones get bigger as well. So the 89-kilowatt-hour battery gets 91, and uh, also the batteries that's a little bit bigger than that on some of the cars on the Mercs, 91-kilowatt-hour goes to 96, I think I'm right in saying. But that is the car company that I told you about at the beginning, Mercedes-Benz, saying that the EV market, with its significant price reductions, really led by Tesla over the last 12 months and supply chain challenges, is going to result in their car division uh, achieving a lower set of returns. Harold Wilhelm is a CFO and was talking about the market challenges. And he said, this is a pretty brutal space. Wow. 
I mean, car making is brutal on a good day. And so trying to sell EVs up against the likes of the Chinese coming in, uh, Ford and Tesla have been reducing prices through the year in the US and China. Mercedes-Benz hasn't re- followed the trend, though, and they don't really need to. I just told you about the EQS SUV. That's a £110,000 vehicle, probably. And they don't play in the same playing field as some of the others which have been reducing prices. How long can they hold off for it, though? Uh, they described the EV market as temporarily subdued, but expressed optimism, saying that we're beyond the worst in terms of inflation, interest rates, and energy cost issues. Right, last few stories. Neo, well done, Neo, hitting 2,000 battery swap stations across China and setting its sights on 2,300 by the end of the year. It's funny. People tell me battery swapping doesn't work. Well, tell that to Neo and the millions of Chinese people who use battery swapping. Hey, it might not work everywhere, but it works in China. A thousand of the stations are being rolled out this year alone. Neo's journey began back in May 2018. The The thousandth station was... Hit in 2022, I think now in 2023, we've hit 2,000 stations and we'll be at 2,300 battery swap stations by the end of the year. 77% of NEO owners can get to a battery swap station within three kilometres of where they live. And in places like Shanghai and Shenzhen, over 90% of NEO owners can get to a battery swap within three kilometres. And beyond battery swapping, uh, they've got 1,800 supercharging stations and 9,000 stalls there. In Europe, 27 battery swap stations now and 11 charging stations. Talking of China, Goshen, the company backed by Volkswagen, uh, has confirmed their 2.4 billion-dollar battery operation in Michigan is moving ahead. We heard this announcement from a local governor a year ago, and honestly, between you and I, I haven't got a spreadsheet of these announcements, and I lose track mentally. I lose track of what's been announced, what hasn't, what's been cancelled, what's been delayed. So this was announced a year ago. Now Goshen, the actual battery maker themselves, saying, yep, it's all good. The construction of the factory in Big Rapids will turn out uh, 150,000 tonnes of battery-grade cathode material every single year. Two more plants will be established. And the US Inflation Reduction Act, coupled with new regulations, is pushing so many companies to develop a domestic battery supply chain in the United States and actually across North America as well. Setting up the anode and cathode production facilities in Michigan, not just about local manufacturing, it's about a robust supply chain that doesn't rely on China. All right, two more stories. Hyundai are one of those companies big in the EV space. Of course, Hyundai Kia Genesis, the same company, Hyundai Motor Group, celebrating their first anniversary of their groundbreaking event held October last year at their new Georgia site. And they're saying, we're not slowing down, unlike others. They see the EV industry as robust, and they're moving headlong into it. Operations begin in 2025 for their new factory where they'll make vehicles and batteries. Groundbreaking started earlier this year and 2,000 workers have made great progress, they say, at that site in the last 10 months. It's called the HMGMA. A smart factory, they say, uh, that will use renewable energy and energy repurposing. And by the time manufacturing kicks off of making vehicles and batteries there, uh, they'll be entirely powered by renewable energy. Final story, and Ford's executive chair, Bill Ford, is comparing the current political division over EVs as part of the polarising debate that happened around COVID and generally US politics. He remarked on the, the 
political nature of where they sell their vehicles and the kind of red and blue states where some states are resisting EVs and others are embracing it. The Environmental Protection Agency said that transportation is about 30% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions and 81% from cars and trucks. And so the debate isn't even there. We have to electrify our transport. But some people in certain states don't want to have their their trucks taken away from them. And I totally understand that. In a recent study by iccars.com, they challenged the notion, though. They said, hey, it's not that simple, actually. There are some states, Alaska, West Virginia, Wyoming, seeing big EV growth. But The word there is growth. They're starting from a very small base. And so you can get big growth numbers if you start small. On the flip side, Washington, California and Oregon rank low in the growth stakes, but they've already got big numbers on the roads already in some of those, like California, etc. So, yeah, I don't really like the politics side of all this. I just think we should all need to get together and go EV and and clean up the the vehicles that we drive day to day. Uh, But it's interesting that when someone that senior speaks to that subject. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.